0: Hi, you've reached Hanging with the Oregon Homies. This is uh, Frankie Trujillo-Dolby and... And Oscar. And as you probably know already, uh, we air our shows on kyq.org, um, 91.7 FM. On Our show airs on Fridays from 1230 to 1 and Saturdays. It repeats from 1230 to 1. And we also podcast this show. And so wherever you get your favorite podcast, just look for hanging with the Oregon homies. And thanks very much, everyone, for continuing to listen. And we have a very interesting show for you today. And I'm going to turn it all over to Oscar and he'll introduce our special guest.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. And uh just a real quick idea, it is that we that we often hear that the horrors that are World War II, but the only thing it is that we don't have many survivors that who are able to to uh, speak about the uh, great horrors of World War II and and actually that I am uh happy to present a uh fellow church caller uh the, by the name that jurgis who who actually survived at the Holocaust and has a child spent time at a concentration camp so let's pay attention now uh, and uh, really reimagine history, and it's something that which needs to be retold over and over. That because right now that we are at the brink of making that the same mistakes that from the past. Mm-hmm. So let me introduce to you Jurgis.
2: Good afternoon. Well good morning whatever it is. Good uh, afternoon, Eric. <laughs> okay. Yes. Happy to be here. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So
1: all right, Ericus. Um could you tell us um what was that your experience uh during World War II? Well so at
2: the beginning. At the beginning was uh when when uh the Germans lost at Stalingrad. The Russians were finally pushing the front towards the to west, and uh, my father was walking down the street and uh, in the city in Kaunas, Lithuania, and was intercepted by my uh, his friend, police chief. He says, what are you doing in the streets right now? He says, "Uh, you, uh, you should be leaving the front area and go to the west because I have a list. The Russians will come here and you are on the list to go to Siberia with your family. So he came home. We went in the apartment. We took only what we could carry, suitcases, couple of little suitcases, locked up apartment, and left.
3: Can I interrupt you second? Can, can you explain what Siberia is?
2: Siberia is a Russian concentration camp. It's a hard labor camp that people have to go, Russians... Uh, always, they put you there just because you're intelligent, you're smart, you're uh, well educated, and they didn't want anything to do with them. So they ship them to places like that, and they hard labor to do to work. Okay. So we didn't want to go there. We didn't want to have anything to do with Stalin and his army. Russian army. So we went to the west and we were actually there were no planes, there was no 747s, there were no trains at that time. Everything was just a dusty roads, a lot of dust, a lot of roads that you walk and you walk and you walk and you walk, and you walk all the way from Lithuania. We walked to Germany. And I would say night and day. At night, you sleep in the ditch somewhere. Sleep in a, well, some spot where you know it's just better to sleep on the ground than uh, maybe in the barn somewhere. Maybe somewhere in a clown in a in a somebody's home. But there's not too many homes. You, you know, you just there's no hotels, no motels at at that time in 1940s. So you just walk and walk and walk. And at night, you don't get to sleep much. You just sit down somewhere by the rocks or by the trees or by the bushes and just wait till morning. And in the morning you get up and walk some more. And uh, if there is a train somewhere, You can catch it, right? But usually army trucks used to come on the road. And then sometimes you hitchhike. They pick you up and sometimes they don't pick you up. Most of the time they won't pick you up. But sometimes they do. So you're in luck if somebody will pick you up. But walking was the hardest thing I ever done. I was, what, about five, six years old and did nothing but walk. So it was a, I would say 12 hour walk probably, you walk from morning to night. And uh, finally we got to this uh, place called, uh, uh, actually was a Baltic Ocean and uh, the river, ended up in the Baltic Ocean and uh, we caught up with a troop ship that was actually bringing, taking people, uh, wounded uh, soldiers towards uh, Germany. And my dad was so lucky uh, that ship captain was his student, violin student. And he allowed us to come and said, well, if you help us to help the wounded people, uh, you can go on the ship and you can go with us. And we did. Of course, the ship was attacked by the Russian planes, but we didn't sink. We didn't, uh, everything was fine. We finally got to Germany. And uh, out there, walked some more. We took some, sometimes we took a train here and there, but nothing was available. Everything was just a lot of walking in a dusty road. And uh, you don't complain, you don't uh, cry, you just have to walk. So finally, when we got to Germany, he what happened there is uh, we uh, our papers expired somehow. Our stamps or whatever wasn't right. So they arrested us and put us in the concentration camp. And it was actually not execution camp. It was a labor, a hard labor camp. Mom and dad had to be split up. They, one Dad went to one camp, children and mom and he went to another camp. And uh, we were in the camp for about six, seven months. And it was pretty hard out in the camp. It's no food, no medicine, uh, very uh, guards were nasty, uh, very bad. Things were very, very hard and very harsh and no, especially no food. That once a week or twice a week used to bring, truck used to come through the gate and empty the trash truck with food, was an old cabbage, old potatoes, old whatever that the Germans don't eat, they used to give it to the camp. And people used to come Put them in skirts, ladies, and bring them and put them in, in take them to barracks and cook them. And cook that whatever soup, whatever you make. And it's better than nothing because that's the only food you're going to have. And uh, mom and dad had to go to work. And the... we didn't know what dad was. He was in another camp. But mom went to a factory from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And they didn't make any money. They were working strictly labor. So the kids were loose in the camp, do whatever they want to do. And it was, you sleep in a, actually it was a cold uh, then the drizzly uh, camps were very uncomfortable uh they the beds were nothing but uh, uh straw nothing but straw in a bed and the the covers used to be a potato bag and the potato bag you put on on top of you you'll be a little bit warmer than just lay there so it was kind of kind of rough and uh, not, nothing Nothing was easy and kid, us kids always run around at night or in the daytime and it's like hmm, they, we look around look around across the street nice and green and beautiful it Was barbed wire you can't go there so you just have to stay on your side and it's, uh, it was kind of, you accept something that you don't want to accept, but you have to accept it. You can't cry, you can't complain. It is just the way it is. What you do, have to what live with it. What
3: did you used to do with, uh, with uh, at the door of the tent for the officers when they were eating?
2: Yeah. What did you do So with? it's, uh, it's uh, something, something that uh, you just can't, uh, uh, like I say, you can't complain. You can't, we talked to some people across the road. There was a Russian camp, prison camp for the Russian soldiers. And my mom was giving whatever she could find to them because they never get food at all. So she gave it through the barbed wire, and the guards seen it, so they started whipping her with the whips. And we, we had to run like heck from that spot, because they said we were aiding the enemy. All we did was give some some food to the Russian soldiers. And so did you it was, have
3: a lot of food, Yerke? Pardon me? Did, did you have a lot of food to give away?
2: No, we didn't. No, we didn't, but it's just sometimes in the pocket you got something, an apple or something, a bread or something, and, and a guy across the street is hungry as egg, so you try to share with it, and uh, it just, it's just a sad situation. Okay. Hunger was our biggest enemy.
3: What did you used to do with a can at the at the the door of where the officers ate, you had your can. What did you do?
2: With the cans?
3: Mm-hmm. What did you ask the officers?
2: Well, uh,
3: scrape into your can.
2: We we cleaned the cans. No.
3: Remember you would give the can at the door of the, the tent and wait
2: for them to come out and when they throw their
3: food away, tell them that story.
2: Well, some sometimes you go in the trash cans and... Uh, people put uh, their food in a can because uh, instead of throwing in a garbage can, you said, put it in my little can. So everybody put some food in in your can. And it's just, uh, the the food was very hard to get. It was very, uh, 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 how to say, it's, uh, you don't just go and buy uh, in the store. My mom and dad was able to come from work and they used to get the cards and in the cards, they have a little stamp. <clears throat> and each, I think each stamp was for like one subject, like uh, maybe one bread or a little piece of bread or a piece of cheese. Or something. So if you, if you have that stamp, you're gonna get it. If you don't have that stamp, you're not gonna get it. And if you get the little piece of bread from a store, you put it in your pocket and you hold it until the nighttime. Because at night you don't you go to bed, you don't you sleep, you're not hungry. So that way it's easier to play a little game for with, with yourself. and mm-hmm. uh, you have to have all those tricks, or else it's not an easy way to live. and I actually
1: have a question and uh, which I wanted to ask you. Um, what was the treatment that of the German guard? Uh, the Gart-
2: very very shrewd, very harsh, very they look at you as you're nobody. You're, you're, you are you can walk by and if you don't salute or if you don't say good morning or don't take the hat off or something you you can get beat up and kicked up and you can really get hurt <clears throat> the guards were very very snobby very it, it was like uh it was so funny after the war when americans came in The guards were same type of guards. You could see it. But now they were, like, deprived of everything, and they're nobody. They don't do nothing. They don't hit you. They don't look at you. But when in the camp, they were all big shots. They're all pretending they're somebody. And they're really, really, you have to watch it or else you're gonna get hurt. The guards were very bad. Would they hurt they, children they really as well? With the oh guards? Yes. Oh yes, oh yes, definitely. Oh, with the whips, with the sticks, whatever, yes. Mm-hmm. And if uh, children came by or say something, or just, just look at the wrong way, just do something wrong. It, they're gonna get whipped. Yes, yes. And uh, I remember going into this big room. Uh, room was a building room, and uh, there were tables, and on the tables there were dead children, and the newspapers were put on top of them, and it was just a uh, hard uh, kind of hard to look all those kids some of those kids you know they played with you a couple of days ago now they're dead and it's like you don't know why they died you don't know what's happened but that's that's the way it is it was kind of rough and uh, you you accept most accepted moments of your life you 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 don't complain you just, pretend like everything is okay, but it's not. It, it's, you're, you, like I say, complaining was never, never, nobody ever complained. Children didn't complain. They were just having fun, running around, hide and seek. And, uh, the best place to hide was in the toilet. Nobody's going to look for you in the toilet. And, uh, yeah, that's where they used to go. But the uh, main thing is that the food was hardest thing to find, hardest thing to get. The food was uh, something else.
3: What did you do with your um, pieces of bread that they gave you?
2: Well, like I say, we put them in the pocket and hold it for the night until the night because night nighttime, you go to bed, you don't feel it, you don't need it. You eat in evening, actually, you eat it in the evening, and then you go to bed and you're not hungry anymore. So next day you'll get you might get another piece of bread and you might not. So you gotta hold hold off. If you have a bigger piece of bread, you're gonna hold off for a couple of days. And uh, it's just a sort of a if you hold the bread in your pocket, you're not as hungry if you don't have the, the bread. So that's yeah, just a feeling. It felt like you had food. Yeah, right. Just the mm-hmm. feeling that, oh, now I got that piece of bread in my pocket and I'm not as hungry. Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh, well, that one of the things that which really amazes me, it is that, you have spoken about the brutality and the, and the lack of humanity that from that from German guards. But yet, your mother would would offer that her own food and which she knew that which she needed to feed herself, and that Correct. she would feed see and see and she would feed that the Russian captives had the uh, POWs as has well. And that to me, it is something that which should really start to resonate uh, with all of us. It That it is that humanity can be at its worst, but yet yeah, that we can show yes. how great we are. And yes. uh, your mom is a great example of this.
2: Correct. Yes, she was, she was very, she grew up even in Russia too. She went, studied in Russia. And she knew Russian people pretty well. And she knew that they were pretty well depressed. They were against Stalin, they're against Hitler. And they were always, my mom used to say, <laughs> that was so funny. She all her life used to say, what did they do bad against God that he's punishing them so hard? Mm-hmm. That they're punished forever. Stalin, Hitler. The all those other Russian rulers that they had they all were bad, everyone was bad, and it's what did they do wrong against God that they punished for so long, so much? Yes, and that's why when she went to talk to the Russian, she knew him probably, she even maybe even met them way back then, and then so giving the last piece of apple or whatever to him because he the russians would not get food at all they were just die go ahead and die so it was just uh you're right you you have to be we were running from them but when they were prisoners mom took care of them yes yes. wow
1: wow and uh, that is very impactful and uh that for us to really try to understand this. Um, Now that one of the other things, and um, could you tell us that a little bit that of uh, coming towards the end of
2: the war? Yes, um, the end of the the war was very interesting. When uh, finally we were in that concentration camp, my dad was graduated Leipzig Conservatory as a violinist and he was teaching now German students. He, he was allowed to leave camp to teach them and then he had to come back to the camp. But the, he got to know two Nazi people, uh, teachers. They were very big Nazis. They were very hard Nazis. They loved Hitler. In the meantime, they liked him and they liked his music that he played so well. So they said, hey, you don't have to go to the camp. Why don't you live with us? And says, well, we can't because my, my wife and my kids are in another camp. Oh, don't worry about it. we'll get them out. And they did. They went to Gestapo and says, hey, they can come and live with us, no problem. And because they had such a big name, they allowed us to come leave the camp and go live with them. And then when the Russians were already in, in uh, not far from Vienna, same thing happened. My dad was walking down the street in Leoben, and the friend of his says, what are you doing here, Walter? He says, Russians are only 30 kilometers away. They're already in Vienna. Okay, so he went home, picked us up, in our apartment suitcases like did before and we went the last train to Salzburg, Austria that was the last train there was no more trains but we got that so when we got there again we were uh, my brother was studying play by villancelo and he lived in a very nice plush uh, actually Chalet it was a very big Graf Meran is one of the Austria's very big person in Austria and he the same thing. He was not a Nazi, he was a real nice man and he allowed us to live in his place too. But then when Americans came in, United States Army, I remember, Night before, uh, that chalet, there were a lot, a lot of bombing. All around, bombs fell and shells fell all around us. And then nothing hit the building. In the morning, it was foggy, raining. And I went outside the gate from that chalet. And I looked around left, right. No, I looked. First, I looked at right. I remember nothing there. I looked left, and I've seen about maybe 200, 300 feet away, American tank with a white star. I said, "That's it." Even as a kid, the war is over. American. We're going to
0: pause here and pick this up for our part two, and okay. you've and you've all been listening. To this amazing man Jurgis talk about his experiences uh as a very young child a five or six year old when his family ended up having to go to Germany um and to a hard labor camp and so listen in next week for part two of this story um and um it also each part will be on um uh on on a podcast as well as uh aired on KYAQ. um and you can always share us on kyq.org as well and so uh we'll continue this um next week and thank you everybody for listening to uh Hanging with the Oregon homies with me, Frankie and Oscar, and Oscar. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you
3: for having us. Thank you,
0: thank you.